You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I loved this episode so, so very much that I wanted to bring it back to you in this summer best of episode series because, hey, look, we all need a little mid-year push to remember that powerful connection between your health, your money, and your mindset. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. So get this. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults age 18 or older, or 18.1% of the population every year. I know this because I've been one of those 40 million. In 2017, I was just determined to find a way to get a better balance in my life. And it didn't happen overnight. (laughs) It was a long journey. 2018 was a long journey. But I knew that my health had a direct correlation with my finances. So I took the plunge and I joined a yoga studio. I liked it a lot. I went a couple of times a week until... 
One day I walked into this dude, David Lynch's class, and I just fell in love with yoga. Listen, my friend, it's a new year. And if you're going to do a new you, now is the time to understand the strong connection between your health, your mindset, and your money. As David says, there are three things that matter in life. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. Let's dive in. All right, so David, I'm I'm excited to be here with you, not wearing yoga pants right now. So this is this is a fun adventure. It really is. So I want to start out with a question. Uh, we're in the new year, and this is always a time when people are thinking about you know bettering themselves, changing their relationships, all sorts of good stuff. What can we do this year to cultivate a better mindset? Well, the first thing that pops to my mind is that your year is doomed. There's nothing that Sky could ever say that could help bring you happiness. And basically, the podcast probably has to end here. So I'm absolutely not the person to talk to. No. <laughs> um, there's so many things. I mean, um, and I, not to get incredibly serious now, but I, I think that it immediately makes me think of, you know, many, many years ago, um, and, and the new year has changed for me since my father passed because my dad passed away on January 4th. So if there's ever a time of year that I'm in this kind of in, in this idea of the way a year could go, you know, and I remember talking to my dad on January 1st and being like, how was your new year? And I love you. And what'd you end up doing? And he's like, happy new year to you. And we had shared some of these things. Like I was just at that time, Literally, it started uh, teaching in a new studio, and we were talking about all these plans and travel. And then literally three days later, you get that horrible call that nobody wants to get. And I even remember being down in Dallas, you know, literally on January 6th. And there's still all those happy New Year's things around. And people are, when you're walking in a store, remember, because Texas, when you walk in a store, unlike where I grew up in New York, and I'm sure everyone can hear from my accent, but you walk in and people are going to greet you. And yeah. I remember the very first time I ever was in Dallas, I went into a Barnes and Noble. That, that's a bookstore for those of you who aren't <laughs> aware that used to be the Starbucks of books. The but, place you could actually go and buy and browse books yeah, versus. Yeah. They, they, there's no need for that now in today's culture. But literally walking in and being like, Happy New Year in that voice. And you're, I've never been sadder and more depressed and scared and confused and trying to write the eulogy for him literally in New Year's and like how quickly all these hopes that I had for the new year. And I was in a yoga class when my dad passed away. Wow. Um, Literally on a yoga mat, you know, phone shut off, like trying to do what you're asking me right now. And I remember the teacher speaking of all these things, which at the time, and and I don't say this um, in any way to be mean about the things that were said, I don't exactly recall, but they were the kind of, I don't want to use the word like trite, but they were those things that everyone says, you know, that one would in a classic yoga class, if you were to almost do the Russell Brand version in a movie of a yoga teacher talking about New Year's Eve resolutions and things to plan for. And I remember finally being given the time on my mat and I started to think the way I would about the world and what I hope for the people I love and the things that I thought I needed to change in myself in the new year. And I came out and I remember uh, I there is literally a sense of euphoria. And I remember saying to myself, I'm not going to look at my phone 
Because I ask my students not to do that sometimes to be like, when you're in this state of meditation, when you're trying to connect to this spiritual side of you, this deep introspection, to let yourself kind of move away from all these external influences, even people that you do want to connect with. And I said, don't look at your phone. I'll say to students, don't look at your phone for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It depends on whether it's a training versus a class. And I didn't look at my phone for a half an hour. And being that I live in LA, a half an hour didn't get me anywhere near the house. And the second that phone came on, the story that every person that has a tragedy befall them or a death, and I was like, oh my God. And I and I almost didn't want to look. I was like, wow, people are really being kind with their calls, you know, like you would get from your there friend. There are a lot of people wishing me Happy yeah. New Year's. I was yeah. like, wow, this teacher that I really didn't connect with, that I actually didn't think was saying all these things about, you know, this is going to be a great year and you're going to connect better to others. Suddenly, wow, I really am. And then suddenly I looked and it was, you need to call now. You need to call now. You need to call now. And that sense of utter dread where... It literally is something out of cinema where you're, you're, you know, you do, you know, or Scorsese or Tarkovsky pan where it just flips on mm. you. And literally it's in your belly. It's a physical alteration in your life before it is even an emotional one. You actually, I remember feeling utterly sick to even get the answer. And it's so interesting when you ask that question and I don't bring this up and I, and I, th- I hope people can hear in my voice. It's hard to, and yet easy to, to connect to that moment of sadness, but I can never really recapture it because so much life has happened since. And I just finished a really interesting book by a writer who wrote about these famous alcoholic writers, Hemingway, Fitzgerald, um, John Berryman, and Tennessee Williams. And um, I'm sorry to curse, I'm quoting, I don't remember if it was Hemingway or Berryman, but it was some line of like, in one of it, it must be Berryman, because he had this line of, um, there's so much wonder and beauty in the world and there's so much shit. And, and it wasn't meant in a, a negative way. Like, oh, that's a horrible way to think of life. But I, I, I really, I'm not a huge Berryman person. And I'm sure everyone in the audience is going, nor am I. Because Berryman <laughs> is such is a popular that, yeah. person. Like, yeah, I can speak, brother, speak. I, it's not a Berryman person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's 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 go even more highbrow with her references that no one relates to. But you know that that idea of like at that moment, I had just literally lived in this blessed space, and I really was like I was tingling when I came off that yoga mat that day, and I was like, it's going to be a great year. And I don't have them in front of me now, um, but I always wrote things down like every person does, and this is the stuff and reflected. And I, I, this was even before Facebook was such a, you know, uh, that star of our life that just loomed over everything in some ways. And it's a memory doesn't come unless it's provided sometimes, you know, here's your year in review. This is when I reflected and wrote it and to be like, my God, what's going to happen now and be totally lost. And that'd be like, my dad shouldn't be passing away. I mean, he was only 65. You know, I had just spoken with him. He was healthy. There's, you know, how has this happened? And and it was a moment that I often think of now when I teach yoga classes and talk about mindfulness. I used to always avoid things like that. And I always speak of my father coming up to that and after. And it, it it's funny. Sometimes I'll talk about this and you'll get me crying instantly and it's not happening now. That's not to say I can feel that tingle sense in, a, in my fingers and in my eyes and things like that on the back of my neck. 
Because it's like that fear of getting into the darkness that some people in shadow that is coming for all of us in any given week, day, year, month. And I do think that hope is the thing that, you know, and talk about trade and something we all hear, hope, you know, lives eternal, but it does. And there is beauty in the world and it's there every day. It was there when my dad died. It was there when I was in Dallas, but it just couldn't get in because I had been hit like everyone does, whether it's a small thing or a little thing with shadow, with absolute trauma. And within that, my brothers and sisters were all in the same place and we hadn't seen each other and how we helped each other. And I think of all these little moments that started that year that set a path that connected my family in ways that we hadn't been connected because we were having stuff that's not for me to get into on a podcast with people that don't probably want to know my family story. But I talk about this now when I teach yoga a lot and I think about it a lot is I want to think of all the beauty and the wonder that Barry Men wrote about. And I think about that every day. And I want to be the person that lives in hope and plans and that doesn't plan with that idea that I'm going to get a call like in obviously money. You don't invest in the stock market going, Hey, I really hope something comes along, you know, <laughs> that, you know, the market crashes and I'm like, you know, literally thrown back into the twenties. And am I going to thrust myself off a roof? Cause you know, everything I've lost, the family fortune is gone. If you're even lucky enough to have such a thing to be so romantic and outlandish in our Hollywood metaphor. But it's, it's a fascinating thing. Like when I look back and I talk about this and I say, I hope your year as some version of this is filled with joy, creativity, love, connection, creativity. I've said that twice and just success of all kinds. And I don't mention money. But certainly if that's what you consider success, which it certainly can be for some, but then I'll always say, and I also hope when, because it is coming. I hope it isn't what I suffered on the fourth. And many of you out here have and others that that hand of death hasn't touched you, but maybe it's a breakup. Maybe it is a loss. Maybe it's a loss of job. And I can tell you in yoga, teacher training is a lot of this, where when you sit in a circle and you say, why are you here? It's usually not life's been going amazing and everything I've wanted in life is here for me now. It's usually someone that's either suffered something, which we'd call a samskara, you know, a hurt or an injury, emotional, physical, or they want to change. So I get to live these little new years ideas, approaches uh, um, a couple times a year when I teach trainings and you see people come to the mat, they want to be transformed. And I'll often say this, and you guys have heard this in class, like I truly hope the rest of your day is filled with joy and light and love, not bringing pain to others and spreading love and finding it in your own heart and letting your light shine forth. But I also hope that the other thing is true, that you're able to shed shadow. And if you do confront pain, misery, sadness, which none of us are going to get away in the brightness of any new year, that you can meet it with a sense of maturity and balance of brain and body and soul and know that there is happiness on the other side. That doesn't mean the pain won't transform you just as losing a job won't. Having money you put somewhere suddenly taken away and now you're struggling to pay bills. And and I, I had to declare bankruptcy many, many, many years ago. Um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I remember, and I should, which is a very strange statement to say. I mean, I talk about on this podcast all the time, how when I got divorced, I lost 
everything. Yeah. And yet it was the most freeing time in my life. And people think I'm crazy for saying that, but mm. it really was, mm. you know, it changed me in profound ways. So yeah. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing. Don't you find that about even if it's money, it's spirituality, it's relationships. Um, I think a lot of us in our planning, and I see this a lot with yoga people, it's very, um, and obviously we're being reductive here, so everything is individual, but that idea, especially with New Year's, I certainly tend to be the person that likes New Year's movies that have that hint of sadness, like, or like, you know, but that's also the New Yorker in me, the time I grew up, the art I love. But I mean that in the best way, you know, it's like we were just talking about music before we came on air, but like some of those songs, sad songs make me happy. And that doesn't mean it's depressive, but that idea of I love the, but there's like a balance yeah. between that. And I think that's something that we all feel, you know, I know definitely one of the trends that a lot of younger people have is a lot of depression. Mm -hmm. You know, there's depression about maybe they have student loan debt or they're not in the career they want to be in, or maybe they haven't figured out who they are yet. You mm -hmm. know, there's like this moment of, of not feeling themselves. I mean, I've certainly been through plenty of those in my own mm -hmm. career and even struggled with, you know, depression and then, you know, recently lost my hearing, which is like a totally yeah. bizarre sort of thing happening. But it really, I think it, it's, you know, I was in yoga before, but it's something I think that has like deepened the relationship mm. with yoga. And I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, I'm, I'm in this time where I'm really thinking about the connection between, you know, what we consume, even what we watch, what we listen to, what we see on social media, uh, what we eat, uh, you know, mm. how we how we exercise, you know, all of those sorts of dimensions, like how that influences who we are as a person. And like, maybe we haven't spent time thinking about that. But you know, I'm in, I'm just in this weird space now where I'm, I'm thinking about all those things. And I think maybe a lot of people might need that, that sense of awareness or that, that understanding. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack in there and it's, it's, there's so many beautiful thoughts, but yeah, that idea, I think like all of us, whether you're in a space in your life where you feel really content, you know, where it's like, you look at your life, like you almost would look to go with a money idea. Like you look and it's like, I feel good when I, when I open my checkbook or I, well, no one opens a checkbook anymore. Um, <laughs> when but, I check my app. <laughs> yeah, when you open up your app and you're like that, I remember when I had nothing, you know, and it's just like, you're literally that anxiety that the lack, that lacking money funds, just as lacking an emotional connection, uh, lacking a job that brings you joy. We want that other, we deserve that other in some ways because it is a, a short and long life with all of its beauties. And that thing of like time passing, which certainly to go back to where we started, like, and I hope none of the many listeners haven't had this moment, but it's, it's a learning experience. Like you and I know about what happened with the hearing, like when these unexpected things come, you know, do you have the emotional capacity, the support system, whether it's financial friendship, you know, where you are in life, roof underhead, all these kind of generalizations we have to use when we're talking in this way. But that idea of like, can you maintain your center and can you hold, you know, the things that make you and in yoga, they'd say like something from the Upanishads or the Bhagavad Gita or even the Yoga Sutras, this idea of this veil of light, you know, that there's a, a light that is unchangeable in each of us. And that whether you see that as religious or not, 
there's beautiful ways that um, Christians think of that, Muslims think of that, Buddhists think of that. It doesn't really matter per se, unless that's your dogma. But that idea of like, you know, almost like we say, like investing in other things, it seems strange and yet also beautiful to conflate these two and also compare these two. But that idea of like, no one wants a heaviness on their soul or their light. You want to shine forth and be able to pursue your dreams as individual as are to each of us without obstruction. And it's so interesting. And I know from listening to some of your past podcasts, I think the biggest frustration that I see in people that I hear a lot is that when you allow others, or more importantly, sometimes for a greater frustration, ourselves to put blocks in front of ourselves from past hurts, past experiences, um, historical things that have taken hold of us or unexpected things. Mm-hmm. And you and I share, we talked, and I don't know if this is the time to get into that, but you lost recent loss of hearing unexpectedly. And I almost lost my eyesight when I was in my early twenties. That idea of something being taken from you. Um, and you're like, why is this happening right. to me? Um, and I know a lot of people have that when you lose a job or someone gets something that you were working hard for. You know, I worked to get this and it was given to X. You know, the anger that can come from that, and it's good to let that out, but it's not the only thing. You know, there is also another side of that. And can you have enough objectivity to go back to death is life and life is death? Like the loss of a parent is not the end. It is in some ways, and there's many ways to think of that, but it's also a beginning in some ways for so many other things. And that's a very individual thing, just as where we choose to put our attention What are the things that move us? And then what are the things that distract us and keep us from being able to succeed? Whether it is on a money level, a career level, a relationship level. And I think this is a time of year that I would hope it's just not this time of year. Like as a person that grew up Roman Catholic and went to Catholic school, (laughs) you know, and I used to be an altar boy. And that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Uh, that we can't get in to. But that idea of like you'd see the people that just showed up at Easter, that just showed up at Christmas. And I, I always say to people at this time of year, and I know with yoga people and trainings, I make them do these lists all the time. So it's not just now. I would hope that people, and I think people do more and more now, this is an ongoing process. It's right. not just New Year's resolutions. It should be a weekly, a daily, because if you only wait to think about your financial solvency, 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 can we edit that out? <laughs> I know how to say solvency, but you know what I mean? You, you think about When that. things are bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When things are bad. Yeah. Don't use words like that. But you know what I mean? When things are bad, you're going to not be prepared for them. Just like y'all in the yoga room, if you just show up and you're not putting in the daily activity of it, you know, which yoga philosophy speaks a lot about this idea of if you want to do something and do it well, their advice, and this is thousands of years old, is do it every day, be habitual about it, be cognizant of your habits, be aware of the habits that keep you from the things that you say you want and you're working towards and change them. Keep doing the things that make you better. And it sounds so simple. It sounds like, you know, Grandpa David But there is something about that if you trace it back to Socrates, to literally, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, there's not that big of a difference between some of this advice that people are giving because there is a truism to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, and it's hard work. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of people who are, they either love yoga 
or they hate yoga and they would never try yoga. Um, But for the people listening who don't really know what yoga is, Mm. or there's so many different types of yoga. A lot of times people are like, oh, I would never do that type. That's not yoga. That's, is there, is there an easy way to describe like, what is yoga? What are the benefits of yoga? Why would somebody spend money on yoga? Well, in its most spiritual terms, yoga will bring you to a lot of retailers, Lululemon and others that will make, give you a whole new wardrobe. It will take <laughs> you in a sense of being overspent and have a lot of studios call you to offer you a lot of package deals. You will get with a lot of people that have a real connection to the physical outlook and way their body looks. No, yoga is the most, it depends on how you want to approach these things. I mean, in the West, and that's such a like, wow, who am I? You know, as a guy who grew up in New Jersey, like in the West, um, <laughs> is that like John Fenimore Cooper here? Um, but you think about this, like yoga to me on its most rudimentary form is a place that you could go to physically transform on its most rudimentary level. But how that plays out for each individual will be different because There's hot yoga, there's yoga that is very benign, there's restorative yoga, there's yoga that is incredibly what I would call almost narcissistic yoga, there's yoga that's very spiritual based. It's such a broad term um, that it really, to me, when people ask me, I they always, the the layman always says, well, I'm not stretchy is usually the <laughs> question I get from people that don't have some sense of it. I'm not very stretchy. No, so, <laughs> yeah. And I've tried to ban you from class many times, but I know. I've heard from the company, I can't actually keep you <laughs> from my class. So I have to have you guys in the back. So just listeners know that this wonderful woman comes to class and I see her twice a week and her wonderful husband, but I always keep them in the back so they don't actually distract from the quality <laughs> yogis that I really want to attract in my program. Hey, isn't it that the the stars, you know, we, we just like, you know what, we'll just hang in the back. We'll yeah. let, you know, the, the other people, uh, yeah, I keep you from newbies because I don't want them to think that you guys have been practicing me for as long as you are. <laughs> you don't want us progress. to be an example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, because when I'm promising all these things, like keep doing yoga and you'll be able to get further down your legs. And then they look over and they're like, how long have you been practicing? I've been here for two years. It's like, shh, shh. You know? <laughs> so I always tell people you're new, even though we seem that to works. know that each works, other right? very well. Right? right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're looking for a life change, yeah, yoga could be a part of that. I mean, it certainly changed my life, you know, and I, I still remember the first yoga studio I ever walked in, you know, back in New York City on Avenue B, although I'm still sketchy on these details. It was like an old Jeevak Muti studio, you know, that I went to. Um, and I remember being scared and being like, is this a cult? And, and that was well before I think yoga has become such a humongous kind of thing that is so almost like pop culture. Sure, now. yeah. But I remember being like, I don't know what's happening. What do I wear? I, I, if someone had taken a picture of me that day, not that anyone's calling for me to be, you know, the next Lululemon model or, you know, hardtail model. But having said that, like, yeah, I, it was awkward. And I, I generally felt out of place. But then it's like that weird feeling like, and we were talking about some things in our, in our past earlier before the mic came on, but that idea, you know, when you step somewhere and like, even if it's odd, you're so intrigued that the, just the 
conflagration of all the people and just all the sights and smells. Some I like, some I didn't like. <laughs> I still don't like incense. I didn't like them in the church. I don't like it now. Whereas other people's, you know, they'll come and say, can I sell you essential oils with some people associate with yoga? And I'm like, please get away from me, witch. You know, it, <laughs> it freaks me out. I'm like, exorcist, like, well, stop, stop. Like, ah, it's burning. But others, it's like a bath, a baptism of heaven. So I think that's that thing of, I would say, don't overreact. And to go back to the very first thing we start, the emotion I had the second I you know, death isn't a one reaction experience. It's an ongoing one, an evolving one, one that is often contradictory. Yoga is that. Yoga is everything that's good and bad about you as an individual. It'll expose those things. It can be therapeutic. It can be athletic. It can be humbling. It can bring out the best of you. It could also bring out the worst in people. And it's going to be an experience that changes from day to day and also from decade to decade. My experience and relationship with yoga as a concept, philosophically and as a physical practice, is so different now. I'm about to turn 50, um, which is great that they had a 50-year-old come in here and try to relate to millennials because I want you to know that I understand your struggle and that I really, really have an understanding of what you've gone through in your life. So, In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. 
I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince, and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. 
the price cannot be beat. And I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. So I am blown away by this interview, but we'll get back to the rest of it after this Ask Shauna question. This one came from Barry and Stephanie. Hey, Shauna, we've been listening for over a year and love all the episodes. Thanks for the constant variety and honesty for making learning about money fun. When I share your podcast with friends, they're like, really? You want me to listen to a money podcast? I'm just like, yeah, it will change your life. So we're getting married this year, and I know you've done a lot of podcasts about couples and relationships, and we've loved them all. I'm curious, if you could give us one piece of advice post-wedding, what would it be? Thanks again, and I'm so excited to hear all the new episodes in 2019. Oh man, that's a great question, and I totally get your friends' responses to the podcast. (laughs) I thought about that when I started a podcast. I thought, who in the world is going to want to listen to me babble on about money? But now we're 400. 50 plus episodes in, and I guess somebody's interested in listening to me babble on about money. So I get it. One piece of advice is always hard for me to whittle down. I get asked that question a lot. If you could give me one piece of advice, and I say that to all my interview subjects as well, so I'm kind of throwing the ball back at them, but it's really hard to come up with one thing because there's so much that I've learned in relationships and marriages and getting divorced. Uh, I mean, we could just do a whole year of podcast just on that content, but I would have to say spend time talking and writing out a joint vision for your life. Think of it like your family or relationship mission statement, if you will. And a mission statement is just something that most companies or all companies come up with. It's kind of their their credo or what they're going to be about. So what do you want to do with your life? What impact do you want to make? Where do you want to live? How much money is enough? And that's a really good question because I don't think people spend enough time thinking about that one. You want to make more money, but how much money is that sweet spot for you? What are your strengths? What are the areas you need to work on, et cetera? Answer all of these questions and then put that together in a mission statement for your relationship. Think of it like your relationship GPS. So we've done this several times and I can just tell you that it is completely life-changing. It helps us focus on us and not get caught up in what other people or family members, hello, <laughs> society, etc. expect of us. And it's it's really easy to get lost as a couple when the shit hits the fan. So it's great to come back to this as just a reminder of why you're together and what you're trying to achieve in life. So if I had to whittle it down to one thing, although there are so many things I really want to tell you, that would be the one thing, the one piece of advice is just to figure out jointly, what are you jointly about? And I think that is so powerful and it's going to take you further than you can even imagine.
as a 50 year old, you know, I look back when I started in my twenties, like my goals were very different. And, and that's one of the thing I think a lot of yoga people are judgmental of. And even this goes to investing. Like I looked at money so much differently when I was 25. For sure. Yeah. You know, I remember winning a lawsuit, um, when my nose got broken playing hockey and the smashed against the cage and the cage clearly is not supposed to do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I have a wheeze in it, you know, um, from in a twisted nose to this point and a bump from that injury. Um, but I remember getting the money and I was supposed to save it. Well, I was a 20 year old kid. In yeah. Manhattan. Saving's not going to happen. No. Yeah. That money went to summers in the Hamptons, nights out with my friends. And I think I saw that year until I basically blew through all the money. It took more than a year. It's hard to remember now, much to my parents, utter, utter horror. You know, I burned through whatever it was now, and I'm not going to say it here. because. But it was an experience, right? You remember all of those things. That, <laughs> even if they are not so good, you remember those things. I wish I remembered all of them, but I wasn't doing yoga at that point. <laughs> so so the, the mind wasn't as tuned in. No, yeah. no. To go back to the book on alcohol I read earlier, <laughs> at that point in my life, I wasn't as an enlightened or faux enlightened soul, depending on the listener's perspective or people who know me at that time. No, some of those things are lost to nights that I have no memory. And luckily there wasn't uh, digital cameras then. So there wasn't a lot of pictures of those things. But yeah, I look back at that financial experience and I remember being like, oh, here again, suffered an injury. All of a sudden this thing comes that I didn't even seek. Now all of a sudden I look back and I literally have thought about that moment because I remember the first day I went in with my friend and we put the ATM card in and that money was in my account. And you I mean, felt like a million bucks, oh right? Oh my God. Yeah. It was like, I'm 24 years old, 23 in New York City. And the world is mine. Oh, I thought this would last forever. And I look now and us sitting here in your wonderful home, like that, if I just put it in a small interest-bearing <laughs> savings account with 2% interest, holy mackerel, I could have a house in the Hollywood Hills. But your mindset just isn't there. I was like going to Interpol shows and Interpol was a band or is it Interpol? Interpol or Interpol? Is it pool? Well, Paul Banks is an interesting fellow, but that's not the point of this podcast. Um, but don't you think we all just like human nature, we all need to have those experiences where we just, we spend so much or we, we have some crazy vacation or I mean, it's just like, that's, you know, to me, like that, that's a lot of what you teach in yoga, even though it's not, you're not saying go out and spend all your money, but you know, it's like this, this balance approach. And even how you talk about, you know, some, some days you can come in and maybe it's a good day for mm. you in yoga. And then other days you come in and like, you can't touch your toes or you can't bend or it hurts to do a pose. Like there's this interesting correlation mm. I've found between you know, the push and pull of life even. Yeah. I, and if you don't, if you don't mind me sharing, like even like your practice, like you're not the most flexible person, No, but having seen you there and seen you come in and find ways to modify, um, to even find it. And you're still not, if you were to compare to this human being, I don't care how much you modified, how much you came the the percentage that you will ever reach their flexibility and the amount of effort you would have to give to get to their flexibility would be quite small. It's not to say you couldn't. So if you're like, you know, we want to go with like Americana, like you can do anything you dream. 
okay, maybe. But I always, one of the things I think you always taught me is, is that a real understanding of who you are, who you are in your essence? And even if you were to arrive at that person's flexibility, how long would that state hold? So if you go with that with anything we do, like money, anything, like, isn't that what we're all looking for? Like we all as humans, because life is fine, I play with, we like instability in the structure of stability, like the <laughs> veil of impermanence versus permanence and how we work back and forth. And when you're younger, there isn't a sense of death, nor should there be. You know, I have a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old. Like, we don't sit around talking about John Berryman and the prospect of death in their life. That's probably a very good thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very good thing. Do you know what I mean? But that idea of, you know, how can we find ways? But you see so much I see in the kids, how their emotional, emotional swings and moods are reflected in people on the yoga mat. And I think a lot of it is, you know, you try things with children, like, let's try the cello. You know, well, try to, ladies and gentlemen, unless you're super wealthy, pick an instrument that's a lot cheaper. You know, we're, we're looking at cellos now and cello is one of the most beautiful sounds in the world. And it's always been a dream to learn one, but like many dreams, I shall never learn the cello. But, <laughs> I have then, a few of those dreams right? myself. Yeah. yeah. And then you laugh and you're like, well, sure, let's look into cello. And then you see how much a cello is, even a used cello. And you're like, maybe the recorder. I, I'm going to go back to the recorder. <laughs> right. You're like, I don't know if cello's in your destiny. But I wonder if I was, if I had a million dollars and I made 450K a year, would it be like, well, let's indulge the cello. And you could see how that could lead to- Other things, yeah. yeah. And then they get a sense of, oh, anything is possible, but then anything is also expendable. And just like you in the yoga room, like I say to you all the time, like it's a joke about it, but what another person does is something to marvel at, something to admire, but your body's different than their body. Your history is different than their body. That's not going to help you. It might inspire you to try to push further, but if you push as they push, you can't put that pattern on you all the time. Sometimes, yes, if mirror meets mirror, somehow you share characteristics, But if you're like in yoga, you talk like a kapha body, which is a thicker body. And you're looking at a person that has a body that's quite thin. And we'd say, some people would say wiry, or that's often a wind body. If you're going with such yoga concepts, they're never, they're never overweight. Whereas me, I've been 300 pounds. I've been literally 152, like my Pisces personality, if you believe in such things. And I'm just throwing out all these different concepts. It depends on what you hold to. That could say, okay, I'm not a skinny guy. So my body has to adjust to how I move. I've never been fast twitch. I'm slow twitch. So I I found yoga that fit my constitution. Just as money to me, like I lived when I won that award, like that was my reality. But it was a fake reality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that to it me- It couldn't, it's not sustainable. Yeah. It's not going to, yeah. And that's what I would say. I think if I could have, one of the many things I could have taught my younger self was, I wish I had not wasted time. Not to say that it's wasted in the sense of it didn't make you grow and those things you often hear, but in some ways it really is. Because I, if I had seen better, and that's always hard at, at any age, now I have that issue, but you want to move towards like you in a pose, like- I'm not going to be a splits person the way that person is. Why would I put my energy towards that? Why don't I just worry about what is achievable for me? Still setting benchmarks that are achievable. 
Like that's, that's so far in the future that you'd almost have to quit your job, hire a dietitian, <laughs> literally change everything that is you to achieve something that in its end, is it really going to take you to a happy point that is you? And I think that's such like a good lesson. I mean, that's actually a hard lesson for me because growing up, I was an athlete. I swam professionally. I was being groomed to be a professional tennis player. Like I love the power, mm. you know, I have like broader, you know, chest and yeah. like strong arms. And that's just like a function of me. So when I get in yoga, it's really hard for me mm. to unwind and to like lean into that. But I think that's like such a great life lesson too, is that, you know, what somebody else is doing or the situation they're in, A, you're only seeing, you know, the outside of that situation. You're not seeing underneath that particular situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I find that we just, as humans, we just want to compare, you yeah. know, or we want to emulate or, or if we're not doing as good as, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's the, one of the best parts I found about yoga is, you know, I have to literally force myself to not look at anybody else. And I think that's just such a great life lesson. Yeah. And you, you it's so fascinating. Like I, we've known each other for a while now and it's like, I wouldn't know that you had this terrible thing happen with your hearing unless it was shared with me. But that has a huge effect on how you physically interact with the world. Just as when I thought I was going blind and was having chemotherapy, it literally altered the way I lived. I couldn't see for almost a year. I right. lived with dilated pupils 24-7. So anyone that's had their pupils dilated, mine had to be dilated every waking hour for almost a year plus. <laughs> so think about the world was blurry. But you have to adapt to what's going. But no one seeing me is like, oh, look at this geeky blonde guy showing up here. Like he's seen this just as on a very level like that. And then if you hold on to, and this happens a lot, I just had a student recently who was a professional athlete in the past or an advanced athlete you were. There's so many of us that that reality that existed is the samskara that holds us back from the reality that is today. If you're still operating as if you're the girl that was a professional swimmer, an amazing tennis player, that that isn't you anymore. It's a part of you. Right. But you aren't that human anymore. That is something that like my one of my favorite movies, Vertigo, is like that scene where they go and look at the circles on the tree. And it's like, at this part, I was this human being at that part. And she's in that trance. I think a lot of us live in the trance of the tree ring. And it's like, you think you're this ring. You're so far from that now. Like, and I think that's the one thing, whether it's money, it's life goals, is we're not the, that's a part of who we are, but it's not a current version of us to go with like a computer way of speaking of it. And I don't think that takes away the humanity of it. Like I see people all the time going, they'll tell the story of them. And it's fascinating, but it's not them now. Yeah. Whether it's a good or bad thing, like they'll say, well, I was, and it, they think it's explaining them today, which it does some ways, but it, it really is in itself an anchor to a, a reality of you that doesn't exist. And to go with money, this comes up a lot because in TT, we'll go around a circle. And when people, I have so many people and I, it just breaks me every time. And they'll be like, I lost my job. Or I've decided I want to change my job. Like I, I, I still remember this girl who was an attorney and she's like, it was my parents dream to be an attorney. And I remember how proud they were of me. And the, the day I got partner, 
they literally, my mom held me. That's cried. their identity, yeah. right? Yeah. Which we they've attached about. to, yeah. And that's Purusha Prakriti in some ways, which is changeable nature versus your true self that is unchangeable. Jobs, you, uh, the two of you have been divorced. So if you say my identity is even currently who you're married to, that is me. You know, I am my job. You are millennial money. It is a part of you, but it is not your true self. And I think that's a confusing thing that I don't think I thought as much when I was younger that I should have is we have many selves in ourself, but they are natural selves. They're like evolving selves, like the changeableness of the day. They're not as frequent, but think about how moods change. That's you. But if you associate with, I'm an angry person. I'm a person that believes that I'm a handbag person. These aren't really you. They're identifiers in the natural world. But when you're laying on your deathbed, and I'm not sorry to go back to jump into this, I really pray to whatever you pray to or think about whatever you think to. I can't think any of us are going to go like, oh my God, Prada, Prada, Prada. You know what I mean? Like you're going to connect to, we don't close our eyes and hopefully spend our whole life because there's another phone coming. There's an, you're not one job forever. And as much as we love each other and I love, love, love my partner. She's the best thing that's ever happened to me, you know, but my partner was married before. Do you know what I mean? And I don't say that as a reduction of what I feel or she feels for me, but we bring out the best of each other and combined make each other even better as individuals. And I've never felt more whole than I do being with her. But she, that connection, she's still an individual that is separate from me and yet inseparable. Right. And that to me is always a fascinating thing that I think a lot of us do is we have these historical things that happen. Like I'm a hockey player. I'm not the same hockey player I was. I'm a yoga teacher. It defines me on one level, but it doesn't define me on all. And it, my definition of self is both my definition, but your definition of me. We've learned more about each other and just prepping for this in the last two hours. And you've changed even probably how you view me as I have you as I got more information. So it's a very malleable reality. So I would say even to go way back to how we started about making plans, that idea of these things we write down, vision boards, dream boards, whatever you do, these are manifestations of inner desire. They could be your inner light if you want to use such terminology saying, this is where I should shine my attention. But how many times have we directed our light in a way, and then found that that path wasn't one that we continue to walk. And then the pain comes on how long we continue down the dark path or get off and For try sure, to find yeah. a new one. And I think that's that to me is the kind of stuff I think about at this time of year when people ask me about is those kind of things like false self versus real self, changeable self, which is good to know. And then what is the unchangeable self that is something that you've carried with you from if you would ask anyone that's known you, there's these traits, and even those might not even be a real reflection of your true you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Wow, we've talked about so much. I, um, I, I would love to leave the podcast. I know it's probably hard to, to sum it up with with one thing because mm. there's so many things, but I love this idea of of finding your real self and of this centeredness because I know it's taken me many, many years mm. to be able to, and I'm obviously still learning and growing with that, but to be able to really understand what that means mm. and how that then carries over into every aspect of your life, be it your money, your Mm. relationships, your career. If somebody was 
lost at, well, who, who am I? How would they go about even unearthing that? Well, I mean, I think yogically meditation and, and, and honestly being quiet and going inside, which is the scariest thing for most of us. Um, I, I, you hear me say it a lot in class that I think especially in, and it sounds, it is kind of a, a pop thing to say, like, it's such a fast moving world as if that's the great thing about reading yoga sutras is you discover all these psychological things they were talking about back when there were no computers, there right. were no cars, nothing has changed. Humanity is humanity. But when you're lost, I think it's close your eyes and get out of reactionary emotion. Um, whether you are in euphoria, yoga would often say in the sutras, painful or painless, they are somewhat equal. And that in a state of hysteria, a state of anger, a state of joy, these are still changeable nature gunas. They are not going to hold. Like, we are going to do this interview and I'm going to go off and do something else. I mean, earlier today I was watching Roma. I was in a whole different mental state and I'm not going to spoil it. I left off on this really harrowing scene <laughs> and yet we're sitting here in the night. My emotions changed. So was the Roma emotion that it evoked in me, which it evoked many, do I elevate that and say, this is me, this is what I'm going through. Look at my life, it's all sad or it's all happy. And I, this goes back to the kids. One of the kids called me the other day and she literally performed and she sang beautifully and the, she got cheers and she was euphoric. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. You're, you're absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And later on, she got a math test and- Sorry for saying this. Maybe you'll edit this out because if she listens to this, she'll be mad at me. She's an incredibly intelligent child. She's brilliant. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. She didn't get the grade she expected and she was furious. And we and I sat and spoke to this thing and I said, think about where you were earlier. Think about where you are now. They're both you. Why are you attaching so much to this? It's good that you're angry. That's a healthy emotion. So it's showing that you expected more of yourself. So go back and say, why didn't I do as well? Examine what led you to this feeling. What led you to this result? Just as before, you're singing. What would happen? And I know this from performing stand-up. Do you get so high on the night where people love you? And if you say, that's my reality, where do you go the next night where the crowd's not with you and your joke falls flat? You can't live that way. And I think a lot of people see that as the roller coaster of emotion and that's your day. I'm up, I'm down, I'm up, I'm down. I think as a yogi, the thing that I've tried to integrate outside the yoga man and you've heard me talk about is get off this, that true happiness, true unchangeable holding of a, a state, which is in itself in its pure beauty life, it's going to have a little bit of both in nature. Can you ride that without letting yourself get out of control too high, too low? And when you're in either state, know that there is a come down. Just as when you're in the depths of despair, as we started this with, phone call after utter joy. That was literally the moment I felt joy. That endorphin high that yoga gives you. My dad was laying on the ground dying. He expired literally at the moment I'm across. He was in Texas. I was in California. The moment his life ended, I was in a moment of absolute euphoria. So does that invalidate my euphoria? No. Those two things can exist side by side. That is the beauty and the fragility of us. And I think if we can get to a point where we can be at peace with those things, even though they're going to get out of control, anger, joy, sex, 
all these things. They have moments of ecstasy and then there's the come down. If you, if you're going for that, I want to hold this. That's where the misery gets. That's where the sadness gets. Just like a bank balance. You can do all you can, but if you attach to it or a weight, if I get above 200 pounds, I'm not a good person. You're going to have an unvery happy existence. You're going to be in pain. So to me, and I fail at this. It's, it's not like it's not. That's a human thing though. I mean, that's that's the struggle we're all going through, right? Yeah. So to me, like every year I'm like, can I not react so strongly? And when I do, can I say why? Can I close my eyes, stop talking? And clearly I do that a lot. Can I actually sit and just be quiet? And it's for some of the listeners, they're like, wow, I can't imagine this person ever being silent. (laughs) I spend most of my day not talking at all, you know, and just that idea of when I do get reactive, positively or negatively, that is part of me, but it is not the definable me. It is not a thing that's going to hold forever. I can work to try to keep the good things happening. But if I am going to fall apart when something doesn't go the way I want it, when you go in and have what happened to you and it's supposed to be a salvation and it does something that robs you of something that is an essential need for living, is that something that breaks you and you go into rage and you spend the next years of your life trying to literally be in that death spiral of this moment has sucked me in and I'm never going to let it go. And that to me, even if it was a good moment, that's the death of you. It's Miss Havisham in her wedding dress. You know, at the end, what happens at the end of that Dickens novel? She literally bursts in the flames. And I still think about that a lot because it is that thing of your wedding day is a day that you will never forget, but that's not the marriage. The marriage is all the days to come. And if you're just holding on to the wedding dress moment and it stops fitting, you're not that pretty person you were. If you view that as the prettiest you were, that's a recipe for sadness because you're always going to feel that life has moved past you. And moments are there to build things like money in a bank account. But if you don't keep putting in good things, bad things, seeing it go down, debits and credits, and know that that's going to move, and be able to move with that. I see you as being a roller coaster person, and we've been around people like that. I've been that at times. It's not your best self, and it's certainly not your true reality. And it just doesn't lead to the things that I think make you the shining light, if you want to go with almost hippie language of love, that I think I hope we all want to be. I certainly do. David, tell everybody listening where they can go to find out more about you. You can go to davidlynchyoga.com, which by the way, this is my favorite thing, as I'm sure many of you can imagine. I love promoting websites, even if they involve me. This is highly uncomfortable. I also um, did a literary journal that I think those of you that love beautiful photography and personal stories um, called yogapoetica.com, which is a collection of essays by yogis who write about their lives. And and we put some absolutely of the world's best photographers there. I think it would be a great thing for some people that are looking for inspiration, people who share their stories about struggle, joy, sadness, success. It's one of my favorite things I've ever participated in. And then the final thing is yogachef-la.com, which covers the part of my life that is cooking and my passion for food. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely free, and you'll make sure you never miss an episode of Millennial Money. You can also listen to all our episodes on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Pandora. 